En Ford creemos que ya sea que estés bajo el foco de atención o bajo tu propio techo, que tengas 90 minutos o 9 horas, que estés empezando cambios o un largo viaje, Fortaleza es hacer todo, como si el mundo entero te estuviera mirando. Presentamos la nueva Ford F-150 2024. Fuerza así de inteligente, solo puede ser F-150. Construida con orgullo Ford. Fuerza Ford. Aloha mamá, sorry por responder hasta ahora. Estuve toda la tarde con mi unidad arreglando un helicóptero Black Hawk. Hawái es increíble, luego te cuento más. Te quiero. Be all you can be, visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door. Winning. No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> no one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Keeping our children out of harm's way while they are in school is a priority for us. But sometimes keeping our children safe and sound while they're away is an impossible task. Is there much we can actually do? Today, we chat with Michelle Gay, who after losing her seven-year-old daughter, Josephine Grace, during the 2012 Sandy Hook shooting, she has dedicated her life through her nonprofit to support school crisis prevention, response, and recovery. We read the books, we bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. So welcome to Motherish. This is such an important topic today because out of all the things that I've learned to cope with motherhood, especially in the season that we're at and what we're living, I get so worried and concerned stress. Like mm -hmm. I think I manage stress pretty well, but when it comes to sending my children away for school or when he's not physically with me, yeah. it's been a long journey emotionally and spiritually to how to learn to kind of let go and trust, mm -hmm. right? Let go and trust when you know reality is, you know, there's a chance of something happening. Yeah, there's things um, you can't control. I think you you personally are also someone that due to the nature of your job, you have been, you know, on the ground a lot of times during really, really horrible tragedies. And I think that, you know, I, I remember last year with the school shooting in Uvalde, um, you came back from that and you were like... It's a lot. It's a lot when you see you're speaking to families. You know, I think it is hard to disconnect that from when you are then sending your own child to school. You know, it can be. Yeah. And, and even this week alone at work, we had all these cases of like child abuse and people getting arrested. Like, and we had a lot of horrible stories. And I was just like, what is this? And like, it's really hard to disconnect and not transfer that fear. Right. Because I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to live like I'm a woman of faith. I believe in like kind of letting go and trusting. And to find that peace, I think it's. 
it's a hard thing to do and a balance to find where you're like being protective, but you're also not being overprotective or just losing your sanity over like thinking of all the possible things that could happen. Mm. So what I'm going to introduce our guests, um, Michelle is joining us today. Thank you, Michelle, for joining us. I, we've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. I know we've had to reschedule a few times, but I'm glad it's happening today. And I always say that there's a reason when it happens and why it happens. So I'm excited for this conversation. So Michelle's a former elementary school teacher, and then she dedicated her life to her three girls. She lost her daughter, Josephine Grace, December 14, 2012, during the Sandy Hook school shooting. And now she is with this nonprofit, you know, created by the Sandy Hook parents to support school crisis prevention response and recovery so welcome Michelle to Motherish why don't you tell us a little bit about how did you you know find the strength or the purpose to and this call safe and sound schools so as the name of the nonprofit right so I found a lot of my strength for my little girl honestly and and you know you mentioned faith I would not be standing without my faith I would not be breathing without my faith just trusting that even though you know, I wasn't able to keep my daughter safe in this world. She's safe. She's safe right now. You know, she's whole and she's safe. And that's that's a big part of being able to stand up and put one foot in front of the other and try to make some change, try to help others, try to protect the children that we still have with us here on this earth. So, you know, as you might imagine, just not even sure I was, I was going to be able to breathe um, and move forward in the early minutes and hours and days and weeks, just trying to grapple with this truth that I just didn't want to accept. To this day, honestly, it's just too hard to wrap your mind and your heart around, you know, the fact that any human being could carry out an act of violence as horrendous as we experienced um, at Sandy Hook and that, you know, that took our youngest daughter, Josephine. But I wasn't in it alone. I had immediately other parents. I had other parents of loss, um, other parents of, of surviving children and staff members. And um, we had first responders that rallied around us in a way that I just can't even put into words. It was just so, it was so amazing and, and really, frankly, very healing for us. So really looking to the people that were around me to try to kind of make sense of things is where I found another mom. Her name is Alyssa Parker and her daughter's name was Emily. And Emily was one of Josephine's dearest friends. And I hadn't yet been able to meet Emily or her mom. We were set to meet the day actually after the tragedy. That was the day that we had planned for Josephine's seventh birthday party. And of course, Emily was invited and her mom was coming. And um, unfortunately, I met her mom under the most unthinkable circumstances. You know, I, I had been looking forward to meeting her. Um, and instead of celebrating my daughter's birthday, we were just kind of holding each other up. And we talked for hours and hours and hours. And I felt like I found this other person who knew exactly where I was, knew exactly the feelings I was having. Um, we shared a lot of the same beliefs and, and our faith and um, and our just our, our pure love for our daughters, the ones that we lost and the ones that survived. And so it just sort of evolved naturally that we decided we would build this legacy in their honor. And it would be about the thing that was the, their favorite thing in the whole world, which was school. And making sure that um, no other parent, um, this, is, this is our lofty goal and mission, other parents and other community members don't have to have that 
worry that you mentioned of, uh, can I send my kid out into the world? Can we physically separate? Is that okay? Is my child going to be okay? And the truth of the matter is in this world, there is no guarantee of that, but we ought to be able to do some things. Um, And we've learned a lot of those things along this journey, things that we can do as moms, as teachers, as community members, school resource officers and school psychologists and school secretaries. The point is that it takes every single one of us Uh, to make sure that that school is safe and sound. Um, And it's just been a tremendous healing journey and and just a wonderful way to keep our daughters close, to be honest with you. Um, They are very much, you know, in the middle of this mission and um, reminding us of the why and and also the joy, you know, the joy that that is growing up and being a kid and going to school and and should be for each and every child. Thank you so much, Michelle, for for being so open with us. Um, Can you tell us, a little bit of some of the things that Safe and Sound Schools does today. Yeah, so a lot of what we do is bringing people together. Um, That sounds so simple, uh, and yet it is not. We have uh, wonderful people in our schools and communities that care about kids and people that bring different talents and perspectives and backgrounds to the work that they do. You know, mine, as you mentioned, is I'm always going to be an educator. It's just, it's not going to rub off. So certainly, you know, academic achievement, social, emotional learning and growth, those are things that I want for every single child in our communities. But I have to partner with school psychologists and I have to partner with school resource officers and school administrators and cafeteria staff and uh, librarians and, and on and on and on. And what we have discovered in our travels around the country and through the privilege of working with such amazing school communities uh, and, and experts around the country that are thankfully part of our team at Safe and Sound Schools is that it really just, it does take everybody. So, you know, the secret sauce I think that we've discovered is bringing everybody together. Because when we do that, those are the school communities that, you know, everybody's got their eyes on the kids all the time in a good way. You know, everybody is thinking about their safety, their well-being, their growth, and of course, their success, ultimately. So when we share in that big, lofty goal, and we together try to address the barriers, the obstacles, the challenges um, that exist and are very, very real in our schools and communities, that's when we really see the progress. So we do a lot of education. We do a lot of training. We do a lot of team building, really encouraging folks to take a comprehensive approach to school safety. And really what that means is all hands on deck, you know, everybody's got to be a part of it. Uh, You got to bring your skills to the game. If your specialist is, uh, if your specialty area is child psychology or, you know, school leadership or teaching reading or driving the bus, whatever it is, do you bring a perspective? You bring experiences, you bring ideas, and you bring a love of kids to the table. And and when we've got that whole team, you know, it's it's football season in our house. There's a lot of football happening, <laughs> uh, especially this weekend. You know, there's chili. I'll call the whole the whole thing. But I often liken it to the football team. It's just this great big team that you know when you break down who makes that game possible and who makes that win possible. It's fans. It's like production staff. It's you know videography cheerleaders special teams, you know, specialty players, you know, folks that have very specific roles on the team, kind of sub teams, and all of those, I think it's a really good representation of how we need to be looking at school safety. There are a lot of key areas, a lot of complex issues, and a lot of specialties, a lot of skills and talents and, and treasure that we have in the people that make up our school communities. So we do a lot of team building with them. 
Um, We do a lot of education and training just to get folks on the same page and recognizing, you know, you as a classroom teacher, you might not be an expert in um, violence prevention or threat assessment or suicide prevention, but you better believe that you play a part in it. And if you don't know who your teammates are, you don't know who the people are that you will go to when you see a child exhibiting warning signs or, or indicators of trouble, then this is this is going to be a fail, you know, and, and there's no room to fail when it comes to our kids. You made a, a powerful statement, Michelle, at the beginning of the conversation, what you said, I couldn't keep my daughter safe. Mothers take a big toll, like they take so much weight on their shoulders when it comes to the safety of their children, you know, and and I, I, I experienced this when I would speak to parents from the Uvalde shooting. They were like, they just, they just kept replaying that morning. Like, if I should have just kept her home, if I would have just taken her away from school that day. Sorry. I do it all day, every day. I have to stop myself. I, it, and I realize now, like, and I would, more I also want to say, I'm sorry for your loss, because I feel like even though time passes, it's still a heavy loss, you know? It is. It is. And I, um, you know, our, our parents in Uvalde are so early in this journey, you know, it's still yesterday. And I can relate to that even now. Strangely, over a decade later, I'm still doing that same thing. I'm still, you know, oh, I, um, I really almost kept her home that day. I, I really almost, you cannot stop yourself from those what ifs. And then you have to catch yourself and you have to say, you know what? I got her up and I fed her a good breakfast. And um, and I knew our school and I, I our staff was amazing, is amazing, wonderful people, this wonderful place that I had handpicked. You know, we moved to this community. We weren't originally from the Northeast. I had really carefully done my research and and thought about where um, was the best place for my children. Was Um, this class correct, Michelle, kindergarten or first grade? First grade. Yeah, first grade. So she'd been in the school since kindergarten. She's been in the system even um, as a preschooler because she was a child with special needs just a, a wonderful place. Um, we did not account for the tremendous brokenness of, of a person in our community, um, the tremendous mental illness, the access to firearms and ammunition, lots of them in this individual's home, the enabling pattern of the family and, and on and on. I mean, this, this individual, this 20-year-old male in our community had gone to school, had graduated from the the Newtown Public Schools, um, and had somehow fallen through every conceivable crack. And so, you know, when you when you step back for a minute from those what ifs and I should have and I could have, you recognize that you loved your child. You still love your child. And I hope that those parents realize that their kids were loved. They knew they were loved. You know, they knew they went to a wonderful school with good friends and classmates and teachers and people who loved and cared for them. So we cannot ourselves take responsibility for the actions of one one evildoer, you know, one person who who chose to do that in our in our communities. But we can learn how we might prevent something like that from happening in the future. And and we have learned a lot. You know, there are so many things that we can do to try to identify and recognize someone struggling like that in our communities, but also to be proactive, you know, in our schools and communities to make sure that somebody like that is not able to get to our kids, is not able to get to our teachers, that our teachers and our our school community know what to do in case of an emergency to protect their safety, to communicate with first responders. Um, And it is hard, I will tell you, to see another community 
learning the same lessons that we have so painfully learned now almost 10 or a little what over 10 years. What type of conversations, ago. Michelle, should we be having with our children? I mean, when is it, you know, are they too young? They're like, when do you start having these? Because I always struggle with like, do I want to impose fear in my child? But then also like you want them to be ready to react. I don't one know. Of my, like, uh, one of my friends from my neighborhood the other day was telling me two little girls are in kindergarten and they had a special training for them. And I asked the little girl afterwards, I was like, what was the training for? Just to see, I was curious how they positioned, I knew what it was for, but I was like, how do they position it? And how do they receive this message? And what does that generate to them? And so she said, if someone bad comes in, then we know what to do. And they tell us, you know, how we need to work together to keep ourselves safe. And it was like, it's so heartbreaking because you're like, man, they're so little and they have to think about it. But the alternative of with the reality that, that there is, is that if they don't know that, then they might not know how to act. I, I don't know. I just, but it was so shocking to-, to Such questions and the way that the both of you have articulated it, those worries and fears is just spot on. We, um, coincidentally, I've been working on this for a little while. We are launching a new program uh, to train students, kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, to be prepared. But the key point is to not let them be scared, right? You know, fear is crippling to growth and development and a sense of safety. We can't have that. That can't be part of these conversations. So how do we have that conversation in a way that's empowering to children, but we're not putting upon them. We're not putting those adult worries and fears. And, you know, both of you are moms. You know how imaginative your kids are, right? Like, we don't need them imagining bad guys and, you know, that imagery in their heads and the nightmares and, and the potential for trauma. So we approached it really very carefully, worked hand in hand with a lot of our subject matter experts at Safe and Sound Schools. The curriculum is called Staying Safe. And so that whole curriculum focuses on the positive of, you know, this world is a busy place. It's sometimes uh, unexpected things happen, um, wonderful surprises happen, and sometimes things that, that take us by surprise and we just don't know what to do. And so in the world, we want you to be able to stay safe. And so recognizing when you feel safe and when you don't feel safe and what you're going to do about it. So we're keeping the conversation really very simple. In our case, in our school, when we were attacked, uh, when our kids were attacked in their classrooms, two classrooms, uh, one of our classrooms, um, because of the circumstances, Children were able to, you know, recognize, they all were, that they were not safe. And that's all that they needed to know. They needed to know, I don't feel safe here. What can I do about it? And so children survived in the first classroom that was attacked, the second also, by either hiding or getting out, right? So they knew enough to know that they weren't safe and that they needed to get out of harm's way. And that is a very simple yet empowering thing. So we actually have survivors from both of the classrooms that were attacked because children saw an opportunity to either be out of sight of this bad guy, this unsafe person, or just get out of there. You know, they knew how to get out. They had practiced evacuations before. Um, they knew different routes out of the school. And they, they knew that they could run to the firehouse or the neighbor, and they did to go and get help. So those are the conversations we're having with the little ones. And of course, as they're getting older, we're graduating those those conversations to accommodate for the fact that they're becoming more physically able. 
Um, they're becoming more cognitively aware of what's around them. But some things that this curriculum does not do, it does not ever encourage kids to fight, does not ever encourage them to engage with someone who's being unsafe. The first thing we want to do is get away from a thing or a person that is unsafe. We want to get to a safer place. That's not to say that if a person is right upon us and um, they're coming at us and and we don't feel safe about that, that we can't disrupt their actions. So we talk about, you know, disrupting those actions might be, you know, screaming, hollering, pushing furniture away as you, as you, you know, shove past someone. In that kind of an instance, it's all rules are off. And many of us parents have had those conversations with our kids around like stranger danger and those types of things. So it's really helping them to generalize safety skills for a variety of circumstances that happen in this unpredictable world. Whether it's a storm cloud, you know, approaching while we're playing outside, a dog who's not on a leash, a person who's coming toward us, an adult that we don't know, um, or someone that is behaving in a very unsafe or potentially harmful way, we do have choices. Even as kids, we have choices, and those choices, they go with us wherever we go. In school, house of worship, at home, in the neighborhood, you know, on the playground, in the movie theater, grocery store, wh wherever we are, we have agency. Even as tiny humans, we have agency and we have power. So reminding our kids of that. En Ford creemos que ya sea que estés bajo el foco de atención o bajo tu propio techo, que tengas 90 minutos o 9 horas, que estés empezando cambios o un largo viaje, fortaleza es hacer todo, como si el mundo entero te estuviera mirando. Presentamos la nueva Ford F-150 2024. Fuerza así de inteligente, solo puede ser F-150. Construida con orgullo Ford. Fuerza Ford. Aloha mamá, ¿dónde andas? <ríe> Seguro de compras. Tengo mucho que contarte. Hawái es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro comunidad. Todos son súper talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Blackhawk y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. When something happens to your car, you might say... But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Michelle, for those uh, who are listening, and for us as well, what can we do to support safe and sound schools? Join us. Join this mission. It's moms and dads and librarians and police officers. I mean, it is everybody. It's a national community that's very passionate about uh, protecting our most precious people, our kids. And, and of course, where do they live? Uh, you know, when they're not in our homes and with us physically, they're in school. So that place has to be as safe as our home. So you can visit us at safeandsoundschools.org. You can explore the resources that we have for so parents. So there's a lot of online resources, right? Like a lot of... Yeah, and we also have a summit. Uh, we have a summit every year. Um, that summit's coming up um, next week, actually. Um, it's a national summit. It's free for everybody to attend virtually. So we'll gather folks from across the country and, and other countries as well, since it's virtual. 
Um, we'll have thousands of folks that will join to learn, to, to share what they what they have learned with this larger community of ours and, and to really make sure that we don't ever give up on keeping our kids safe and sound. You know, when we were, I talked about this briefly in one of the previous episodes when we were like looking at schools, it was really sad for me that the first, some of the parents, the first questions they asked is like, okay, how's the security system? You know, yeah. how safe is the actual school? Like where are they still locked all the time? Like who has access to the classrooms? Yeah. You know, are there blind outs on the windows? Are there like, what type of doors are there? For me, I, I, even though I work in news, I really, that really didn't cross my mind. And so I saw other parents really, really obsessing over these details. It's like safety details within the facility. Are there things that we should be looking for, maybe suggesting to our schools that they should or should not have? Or, you know, as parents, I feel like they're, they're very receptive to what the feedback that we give them. But we also don't want to be that extreme parent or like that, you know, but what are some of the basic things that we should expect for our children or schools to have in our children's schools? Absolutely. It's a great question. I mean, think about, you know, those of you who had to, when your kids were like preschool age, you had to send your kids to, to daycare, right? This was the scariest time, just trying to figure out, is this a safe place? And what kind of features do you have? How do I know that the place is secure? I think we uh, a lot of us parents asked a ton of questions around that or when hiring a babysitter or a nanny or something like that, anyone who's going to to be with our kids. And yet somehow when they reach school age, it's like that kind of evaporates. And so I'm really proud of the parents that do step forward and say, so tell me, how are you setting my kid up for safety? How are you setting my teacher, my kid's teacher up for safety? What does it look like? Do, do the doors lock? Do the teachers teach with the doors closed and locked during the day? Because I know that's a, that's a terrible inconvenience and I'm, I'm an educator, I can attest to that. But I promise you it's worth it because it can save lives. In our instance, had the teachers known to teach with their doors closed and locked, rather than have to fumble for keys in the middle of a crisis and, and try to manage all the children in the middle of the crisis, I wouldn't be here with you. You would never know my name because my daughter would still be alive and so would all of her classmates, so would her teachers. Think about something so simple. It's like clicking that seatbelt. You wouldn't think to not buckle your kid into their seat. You wouldn't think when they were little to not uh, use a car seat, right? Um, so these are standards that we need to be asking for in our schools. Are the perimeter doors of the building locked all day when my student is in there? Do you guys have the ability to communicate when the PE class is outside? If there should ever be an emergency, how are they going to know? And the more we as parents ask questions like this, the more our school leaders make these priorities and, and make sure that they have good answers. And it's okay answer. to make these questions, right? Totally. Like it's of course okay. it is. They're your babies. Absolutely. And the reality is our schools want our kids to be safe, but they are juggling a million and one priorities. There's a lot of bosses uh, to answer to in a school system. Um, but we parents are the bosses too, and so are our kids. Our kids can be asking these questions as well. I need to know, Mrs. Johnson, that our door is closed and locked. I need to know that nobody is propping our outside classroom door because that's not safe and I don't feel safe. I can't learn if I don't feel safe. So the more kids and, and parents are participating in the conversation, the more powerful that conversation begins and the more this just becomes what we do, right? This just becomes what we do, like seatbelts, like car seats, 
like smoke detectors. These are things we would never think to not have in our homes to keep our kids safe. Yeah, and, and also it also depends also on the mom's personality. Like there's certain moms that need to find that peace of mind by checking off the checklist, right? Like my friend Helen yes. actually, she really like loses sleep over this. Like I start thinking about when my kids are away from me and I just, I start thinking, oh my God, I know that's not healthy either. So what right. can I do to practically gain control again of my peace of mind and kind of just like feel a little bit safer by, and I guess like by checking these things, you mm-hmm. know, and on, we, can we find these kind of like things that we should be asking and stuff like that on the website? You sure can, yeah, in our toolkits. We also have a parent program, Parents for Safer Schools, as well as a student program. So lots of resources there and lots more to come. We're always adding more resources. But I I love your idea of just questions to ask, you know, and you'll find some of those questions on our website in the toolkits as well. Because I feel like questions sometimes trigger things that like thought process that you're like, you know what, we've never actually thought of that. You're right. Like, Mm -hmm. why are we doing this? Or why have we, you know, failed to do this? Like, it's not because we're trying, obviously, ill intention. It would just, it hasn't crossed our minds. So I feel like some of these yeah. questions make a huge difference. And it hasn't difference. yet become the norm, right? Once it's, the, once it's the norm, that, but it just hasn't kind of crossed that threshold, I think, for, for a lot of people. So I think, you know, you mentioned being proactive, being practical. I think that's a very important part of it. But I, I know as a parent, I have to rely on my faith as well. It's kind of a balance or else I will lose my mind. I have to, you know, pray for the protection of my children and, you know, the staff. Um, that's my personal choice, right? But having some ability to trust, as you said earlier, you know, to just, to just let go and trust, you know, is I think essential. Otherwise, we're kind of suffocating our kids, you know, and uh, not supporting healthy growth and development. And, and that's not good for us either. Thank you so much much, Michelle. This was really informative and I think it gives us a lot to kind of think about and things that and actions we can take. So we'll be sure to share uh, the resources of safe and sound schools with our motherish community. You know, we will be part of this and, and help kind of bring this, continue to take this forward. Love it. Love it. Hope to see you guys at our summit. It's, it's, there's tons on there. When is it again? Can you share the dates and the details really quick? <clears throat> We're 17, 18 and 19. Um, and for those of you who will listen to this podcast after it has taken place, you can still go back um, for up to a month um, and, and purchase registration to be able to re- look at the sessions kind of on your own time. So um, lots there. And we do it every year, too. We do it every year in honor of School Safety Week. Great. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks, ladies. Aloha, mamá. Sorry por responder hasta ahora. Estuve toda la tarde con mi unidad arreglando un helicóptero Black Hawk. Hawái es increíble. Luego te cuento más. Te quiero. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arupay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Si tú o alguien que conoces está pasando por una situación difícil o por una crisis de salud mental, la Línea 988 de Prevención de Suicidio y Crisis te brinda apoyo especializado 24 horas al día, 7 días a la semana. Solo llama al 988. Cuando llamas al 988, te conectarán con consejeros especializados que escucharán tus inquietudes y te brindarán apoyo en español. Simplemente llama o textea al 988. Hay esperanza. La línea 988 funciona. 